Welcome to a special Thanksgiving episode here on Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. Just yesterday, I had the distinct pleasure of talking to two-time Tony-nominated actor Louis J. Stadlin, who is currently trekking across the country in the national tour of Hello, Dolly, as Yonkers' well-known, unmarried, half-a-millionaire Horace Vandergelder, opposite Tony-winning legend of stage, screen, and recording Betty Buckley, as everyone's favorite matchmaker this side of Anatevka, Dolly Gallagher-Levi. The company is spending the Thanksgiving holiday in Miami before coming north to where I am in Orlando, beginning on Tuesday, and I couldn't be more excited to see this lush, lavish, warm, hilarious, open-hearted production next week at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. After their stop here in Central Florida, they are off to Tampa and West Palm through mid-December, and then they will reconvene out west in the new year for stops in Arizona, California, Nevada, and more heading into the spring. We will have a link to the entire tour schedule in the show notes and at BroadwayRadio.com. And of course, if you are here in Central Florida, we will have a link for you to get your tickets to see the show at the Dr. Phillips Center, where it will play from Tuesday, November 27th through Sunday, December 2nd. I will be there on opening night Tuesday, so if you are going to be there as well, say hi on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Anyway, I am so happy to share this conversation with you. Lewis gave such great insight as to what it takes for an actor of a certain age to head out on the road again. He also talks about why he was a little bit scared to do the song that Horace sings that was added back into Hello, Dolly! for the Broadway production. And between you and me, he's not exactly afraid to speak his mind on things that he does and doesn't like. So this was a ton of fun. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Louis J. Stadlin. I'm so excited that you guys are going to be here in in Orlando next week. This show is such a such a joy and and such an uplifting fun experience when so much outside of the theater is uh, not joyful and not fun. Uh, this show is, is, when it was in New York, had just so much life and excitement to it. What do you think it is about not only just Hello, Dolly, but this production in particular that is so exciting and warm and loving and open uh, that so many people have loved it, both in New York and now as you guys are touring across the country? Well, first of all, the plot is about love. It's about mm-hmm the possibility of, uh, I guess, four, maybe six people, almost everybody in the cast, uh, <laughs> of finding uh, love within uh, a 24-hour period. And I think you put it eloquently. This is a troubled time that we're living through. So for people to you know, uh, sit down for two hours and 45 minutes and uh, see the better side of human nature. Uh, the music is great. Um, uh, it's very well directed. And also uh, the idea that Jerry Zachs and Warren Carlyle were so respectful of Gower Champion's work in the original production. Uh, so many times when they revive musicals of a different era, uh, they attempt to uh, reinvent the wheel. And uh, our collaborators realized that uh, the show was near perfect uh, with Gower Champion's work. And I would say about 80% of the choreography that Gower uh, created has been retained. Uh, Jerry is has perfect comic pitch. Um, and uh, this production is uh, exquisitely uh, well cast. 
Uh, I think you'll be very happy. I, I take it you've seen the New York production. Um, this this production is uh, has some wonderful performances in it, uh, headlined by Betty Buckley, who's just marvelous in it. Of course, yeah, I, I did see it in New York about a year ago. I actually saw it with your uh, People in the Picture co-star, Donna Murphy, who was uh, equally ex- exquisite and amazing. But um, I do want to talk about the cast, but I, I'll, I'll get back to that because I, I'm interested because you talked uh, about – uh, Jerry Zaks and Warren Carlyle, the choreographer, retaining so much of the um, the DNA of the original production. But there is something that is significantly different from that original production and many of the subsequent productions, and that's how you open up Act Two, and that's with a song that was done on the Tony Awards last uh, last year or two years ago, whenever it was now, um, "Penny in My Pocket." And I will argue, and I've actually had this argument with people that that song should never have been removed in the first place because while it seems very simple and straightforward, you're just singing in front of the curtain, that explains everything that happens in Horace's trajectory in the show, and it makes everything else that happens subsequently make so much more sense. As a song that you get to sing to open up the second act, what do you think that that song that hasn't been seen in a lot of other productions adds to the story that's being told on stage every night. Well, I th- I think you just said it. What it does is Sorry. it it uh, it creates a, a you know it creates a, a history for Horace Vandegelder and the reason why he evolves from um, basically an old fool with a hardened heart, and then at the end of the play he is capable of discovering his heart and uh he uh, in my performance i go pretty much from an old man to almost a blissful teenager uh, okay. i will correct one thing that you did say okay, that is do. that the reason why it was cut was because it ended the first act hmm. and at that point you know uh, hello dolly had a very difficult uh, uh, uh uh, out of town tryout, mm-hmm. uh, and they they realized when they were in Detroit that the uh, first act uh, closing number had to uh, be sung by Dolly. That the name of the show was Hello Dolly, not Hello Horace. So <laughs> they they couldn't find a proper uh, uh, place for the song, and that's the reason why it was cut. Uh, I think that they've been very smart in terms of just opening it up in the second act it makes a lot of sense it doesn't stop the narrative it uh and it 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 explains uh and i love doing it uh i must say that you know uh i was a little fearful when we were in rehearsal but uh i i just i i love doing it what what was it about it that that made you fearful well uh, Stepping out in front of I, I didn't like the way it was done in New York. <laughs> be oh, perfectly honest okay. with you, I didn't think he did it particularly well. Uh, and uh, I thought, well, you know, uh, what does this necessarily uh, add to the piece besides it being, you know, uh, a, a, a different uh, part of a, of a new production? But um, you know, it's a lot of words, and um, I. You know, I always uh, I always approach things from uh, I put myself in the audience, you know, and then I go, who is this guy? And, you know, why is he singing this song? <laughs> and and now all of a sudden I've embraced it. And I realize that, uh, uh, first of all, I just love the number. 
And uh, uh, it, it also allows Horace to just stand out there and say, this is me, you know, either accept it or reject it. It's, uh, the, the, it's, it's Horace at his most uh, masculine. And that's hmm. one of the reasons that I really love doing it. Hmm, I like that. Um, now, you mentioned, get back to the to this cast. Obviously, you, you mentioned Betty Buckley, Tony Winner, um, going on the road with this classic show. What's the relationship like between you two as, as veteran theater stalwarts? Um, I don't know. Have you ever worked together before? No. We would run into each other over the last, oh, God, I guess it's 40 years. Um, <laughs> uh, when I was doing The Sunshine Boys, she was doing Pippin. Uh, we socialized a couple of times. Uh, as a matter of fact, we, uh, both, uh, went to the same psychiatrist for about a year <laughs> and I would see her coming out and I'd be going in, you know, uh, but we had no previous relationship. We worked together, uh, a week before the rest of the cast showed up and, um, it's been rather blissful, which is very important because, uh, you know, we have terrific chemistry on, on, on stage. Uh, we like each other very much. And I would imagine that uh, it could be, a, you know, a long haul if the two people didn't care for each other. I know that Carol Channing is great as she was in the part. Uh, uh, I don't know what her relationship with who it was with David Burns, but I know that when she took the show on the road with other actors, they had a difficult time with her. Betty is incredibly generous. Uh, she's a fabulous actress, and of course she, you know, uh, sings great. And um, it was a very interesting process because I had never seen her do a comic role. Mm -hmm. And when Jerry Zachs explained to her who he thought uh, 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 Dolly Levi was, uh, her acting chops just, uh, you know, she just embraced the woman. And she's this extraordinarily life-affirming presence. And that's what Dolly Levi has to be. You know, she's she's not cynical. She's not self-disparaging. She's uh, somebody who who just embraces life in all of its most positive aspects. And I just think she's a, a great dolly. Yeah, that's interesting, because I, as I was looking back at her career, not only just now, but when it was announced, you think, oh, she's been in not completely serious stuff. I mean, she was funny in 1776. Pippin is a bit of a comedy that you mentioned. The Mystery of Edwin Drood is funny. But she, you're right. She always kind of played those from more of an acting perspective than a comedic perspective. So it's interesting that she's finding that comedy through being just a true, honest actor, which I guess is probably the, the goal for everybody, whether it's a comedy or drama. Well, you know, this is the thing. Uh, uh, there are certain roles when, when, when people are, when actresses or actors are known for doing one thing, that they have a star persona. Uh, that instead of necessarily playing the role as written, what they do is they project their star persona. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but Betty doesn't do that. 
Betty just, I suppose, changes, you know, from one role to the next so that she doesn't feel the obligation of uh, satisfying her fans by presenting the Betty Buckley persona. She just embraced the role of of, of Dolly Levi, which to me is the best kind of acting. So, um, you know, that's... um, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's perfect. So you've got uh, a really great cast, but it's interesting is that because of the way that this show is constructed, um, Horace and Dolly are of a different generation than a lot of everybody else uh, in the ensemble. Obviously, not everybody, but uh, for the most part, what's it like being on tour? I think it's been, what, 15 years or so since you've been on tour with uh, such a younger group of, of performers. Is there a responsibility, extra responsibility to kind of lead that group or, or how does that feel for you being out on the road again? Well, I love the road. The The first uh, uh, time I ever felt successful about myself, I was 19 years old. It was the first national company of Fiddler on the Roof. Um, and that was so I, I thought, yeah, I, I, I like the, the lifestyle. It's more difficult. Uh, Betty and I are uh, both, uh, I don't want to I don't want to yeah. say what her age understood. is. But, understood, understood. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we're, you know, older than most uh, Dolly and Horace's, uh, which I think uh, kind of adds to the pathos and resonance of, you know, uh, of our relationship on stage. Um, I hang out with... Um, uh, Wally Dunn, who uh, uh, plays the head waiter and a lot of other things, a lot of other roles, uh, the uh, the drummer and the trumpet player, and uh, and uh, Jess Leprado, uh who plays uh, Barnaby. But uh, you know they're they're young people and they have different priorities. Uh, I always uh, have felt that. Um, it's uh, I have a responsibility to be somewhat of a mentor. Uh, that's not to say that I, you know, uh, I, I, I mentor people basically by telling them theatrical anecdotes and and uh, setting a, a positive, hardworking example. Uh, in 1957, my father, uh, who was an actor by the name of Alan Swift, he uh, he ran the Hyde Park Playhouse. Uh, which was a summer stock theater, and they brought in a lot of stars to do one-week engagements. And um, one of the problems with that particular theater was it was an IBM town. And uh, even though they did great business for most of the summer, uh, IBM gave their employees two weeks off. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so nobody came to see Georgie Jessel in his Star Time review. Um, and I remember as a 10-year-old sitting in the audience of a 500-seat uh, theater, and there must have been about 50 people there. And my father said, look, watch this. Watch watch how Georgie Jessel is performing as if people were just hanging off of the rafters even though there were only 50 people in the house and that m- made a tremendous that had a tremendous effect on me the, the idea that uh, people are paying to see me perform and there are plenty of times in which uh, an actor loses his concentration or is sitting there thinking you know I you know wonder what I'm going to eat between shows but the responsibility that an actor has uh, to an audience 
no matter what the size, is something that I uh, like to bestow. Not that I have to in this group. I mean, this is a, a, as hardworking uh, a cast as I've ever seen. Um, but uh, there's, you know, there's an ethic to being a stage performer because it's not easy. And what's interesting is that when you get to be my age, um, you don't, you don't uh, throw obstacles in your way in terms of figuring out who the character is. Uh, you have a pretty good roadmap uh, in terms of figuring that out. But what is more difficult is uh, getting it up eight times a week, uh, and that takes um, it takes a, a, a routine in which I can't go out and you know sightsee. Uh, I have to uh, conserve my strength, and uh, my total responsibility is to give the best possible performance eight times a week. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, it's it's so interesting to hear the responsibility that you feel not only for the cast, but for the audience as well. And I think that's something that I don't think the people that aren't connected with the theater industry realize how demanding those things and how important those things are to performers, that it's not just, eh, I've got most of my day free and I'm just going to show up at the theater and do my thing. It, it is a lot more that goes into a performance than what's seen on stage. So that's uh, really lovely to hear you say. Um, Real quick, I'll get you out on, on just a few things uh, here. This is a production that has a lot of very visual elements that people are familiar with, whether they saw this particular production in New York or, like you mentioned, uh, Jerry and Warren and a lot of the design team were able to, to replicate some things that were very familiar from previous productions. As you take this show on the road, what do you have to do as performers and then as a company at large to kind of modify the show to make sure it fits in all the different spaces? Because I'm sure that you guys are playing some of the best theaters uh, across the country, but some are old, some are new, some are wide stages, some are small stages. How do you adapt as a performer for what you do on stage when the venue is changing every week, every two weeks, every month, stuff like that? Is that something that's cognizant in your mind? It's cognizant the day you show up. I always uh, go to the new venue in the afternoon. Uh, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's the miracle of theater. Uh, we opened in this new space in Miami yesterday. Uh, the backstage is totally different than the one that we just experienced two days before in Chicago, which was totally different from the one that we experienced in Cleveland four weeks before that. Um, we are blessed with uh, a great crew that, uh, you know, uh, coordinates with the local uh, local crew. Uh, the musicians, we travel with four musicians, and then we pick up local musicians in every, every city, and somehow it all coalesces. Um, it's uh, also dressers are a very important part mm -hmm. of the process because there's a lot of beautiful costumes and a lot of quick changes. And um, you, everybody just kind of on a very heightened level uh, assumes the responsibility of having to put the show on. Uh, now we're doing these series of four one-weekers in Florida. So by the time we get to Orlando, uh, you know, we'll I'll, I'll go backstage. Uh, we'll see whether our dressing rooms are in the basement or whether they're you know on the same floor. Uh, uh, 
and uh, we just we make the mental adjustment. Um, but other than that, it is a full-scale collaboration because there are two shows that are going on. There's the show <laughs> that the audience is seeing, and then there's the show that's going on backstage. Yeah, the the dressing rooms are just down about a flight of three or four stairs, so it shouldn't be too uh, too difficult for you back there at Dr. Phillips Center in Orlando. But I played, you know, I played the Bob Carr Auditorium oh, yeah. three or four times. So yeah, mm-hmm. much different. But this is a new theater. I have. Yeah, much different mm-hmm. venue. Um, I think you're going to love it when you're here in town. But I'll, I'll get you out on on this question. I always kind of like with something like to end with something similar. I, I think everybody knows the name Hello Dolly, but. For a certain generation of theater goers, maybe they only know the movie or they think of it as this old classic and this old relic. And as I said at the beginning, there is so much warmth and love and, and like joy. I don't know of a better word than that in this production. If you could kind of just tie up in a couple sentence elevator pitch the experience of what somebody has when they come and see this show in this production, what would that be from your perspective? Well, I... I think that people uh, certainly relish the idea of uh, going back in time. It takes place uh, at the very end of the 19th century. Uh, But uh, I think that the magic of the show is uh, that it's about love. And uh, it's about people making uh, a positive, affirmative, passionate choices about their own life, that uh, the characters start off rather stilted, uh, looking for uh, for something that they have not yet achieved, whether they be uh, characters that are young or characters that are old, and that it all comes together, and that from an audience point of view, I was thinking, you know, that there must be so many middle-aged women who come to see this show who immediately identify with Dolly Levi and I bet you they say to themselves while they're watching it I could do that I could play Dolly <laughs> Levi <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> because it's this iconic wonderful role and in terms of the movie the movie is a botch the movie was not a happy experience for anybody you know, uh, I know for a fact that Walter Matthau did not get along with Barbara Streisand. And it's very funny because at the end of the movie, he has this this line, signature line, in which he has to say, wonderful woman, you are, wonderful woman. And, and, and Matthau, you know, just throws it away like, wonderful woman, like, let me get the hell out of here. I've been on this shoot for eight months, you know. <laughs> That's a great Walter Matthau as well. Thank you for that. Um, uh, yeah, well, I, I'm so excited to see it when you're in town uh, here next week. And I'm a, a huge Betty Buckley fan as well. And so I'm excited to see what you two create on stage together. So have a wonderful Thanksgiving in Miami. Have a great run. And we'll see you guys next week. Great. Nice talking to you. I put a dollar in my mattress and had some pleasant dreams. Till suddenly my mattress was bursting at the seams 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Timonini. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And you can reach out to Broadway Radio on both Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. We will have information for the entire Hello Dolly tour and specifically the Orlando tour stop in the show notes and on BroadwayRadio.com. I hope that everyone is having or had, depending on when you're listening to this, a fantastic, physically and emotionally rejuvenating Thanksgiving. And we'll talk to you soon. I shined a rich man's shoe. He threw me down a nickel, admiring my skill. I gave the nickel to a blind man, and the blind man left me all his meager savings in his will. I bought myself a wagon.